This is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for October 12th, 2023. This is episode 71. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. And you're listening to that on Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Here are this week's headlines. Loki premieres big. The Spiderwick Chronicles moves. A new horror film called Morrigan. And there's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reunion, but on audio. That and much more. I'm Tony Tolato, and let's get into it. Variety reports that Loki Season 2 pulled in 10.9 million viewers in its first three days of availability, according to Disney. This coincides with Ahsoka pulling in 14 million views in its first five days, and Little Mermaid pulling in 16 million views in the same five-day window. Look for Loki Thursdays on Disney+. More news in a moment. Also, according to Variety, the Spider-Wick Chronicles moves to Roku from Disney. The eight-episode series is based on books by Tony D. Terlizzi and Holly Black. Joy Bryant, Noah Cottrell are part of the cast, along with Christian Slater and Jack Dylan Grazer. No word on when it will premiere. Deadline reports that Saffron Burroughs, Toby Stevens, are in The Morrigan, an Irish horror which starts shooting November 6th in Northern Ireland. The film is about an archaeologist who travels to Ireland to excavate a hundred-year-old tomb. But like a lot of these tombs, there's a hundred-year-old evil that is unleashed, and she has to try to rescue her daughter from the Morrigan, a pagan war god that wants to possess the young girl. Buffy the Vampire Slayer cast reunited on Audible in Slayers, a Buffyverse story. It's co-written by Amber Benton, who was a guest on this podcast, and who wanted to highlight characters that weren't given their due in the series, in addition to highlighting a Slayer who is a woman of color. As far as the timeline, it takes place 10 years after Buffy ended. Coming back, some great familiar faces, James Marsters, Charisma Carpenter, Juliet Lando, Anthony Stewart Head, and Emma Caulfield. But of course, we'll hear them, not see them. Amber Benson talked about this. The reason I got excited about doing Slayers was because I wanted to see Charisma be a vampire slayer. I wanted to live in a meta world where Charisma Carpenter is Cordelia, the vampire slayer. That was the pull for me. We spent a ton of time trying to create satisfying arcs for all these characters that we love so much. It's been a labor of love. For me, doing this about diving into a world where I get to have some control over things. Look for it available October 12th. Guillermo del Toro talked to Ace Showbiz about his canceled Star Wars movie, which would have dealt with Jabba the Hutt. He said, We had the rise and fall of Jabba the Hutt, so I was super happy. We were doing a lot of stuff, but then it's not my property. It's not my money. And it's one of those 30 screenplays that goes away. Sometimes I'm bitter, sometimes I'm not. I always turn to my team and say, good practice, guys. Good practice. We designed a great world. We designed great stuff. We learned. He told this to Collider. 
Deadline reports that Daredevil Born Again released its writers as they go through a creative overhaul. Head writers Chris Ord and Matt Corman were let go. Less than half of the 18 episodes were already shot. And due to the recent lukewarm receptions on the big and small screen, Marvel is trying to right the ship, shifting the series from a procedural to a more serialized series. Collider keeps track of the Exorcist original and all the sequels released. It was followed by two sequels. In 1977, Exorcist II, The Heretic, which was a little strange. I believe John Borman did that and put his own spin on the possession. There is a scene where Reagan appears in a nightgown, almost seductively trying to seduce uh, the priest in the movie played by Richard Burton. I just thought it was way off base. Exorcist III got a better reception in 1990 with George C. Scott playing Detective Kimmerman. It was an interesting premise, but it took away from the first film because Father Karras was actually alive again being possessed by the demon. As Remember, he jumped out the window as the demon possessed him. So it was kind of weird. Brad Dorif played his doppelganger, kind of like a, a strange mix of the demon and Karras. But also Jason Miller, uh, who's a playwright, by the way, he wrote that championship season, reprised his role as Karras as well. Great cast. It was interesting, but just didn't make it for me. And then in 2004 and 2005, two prequels were released, Exorcist The Beginning and Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist. They, they just didn't do it for me either. I mean, it just was really kind of off base. There was a short-lived TV series, and I actually covered that, and you'll hear some of that on, on Sci-Fi Talk coming up. And that added more to this long legacy. And now, of course, a new movie is out, Exorcist the Believer, directed by David Gordon Green. The only thing it has going for it, from what I can tell so far, is that Ellen Burstyn returns. This is an ongoing story. Hopefully, this is a good sequel. The scariest scene in The Exorcist is not the headspin, according to Collider. They wrote a piece would really gives him goosebumps, is really the first meeting where Father Karras meets the possessed Reagan. Now, we actually don't see that room for a little bit of time. And then it's very dramatic when you walk in and you see that it's very padded and there's Reagan fully possessed, literally sitting in a, in a you know, what looked like pea soup that was spilled all over. So he has a conversation with Pazuzu voiced by Mercedes McCambridge and Ron Faber. And they kind of go back and forth. He's trying to feel her out to get proof that this is an exorcism. It's, it's an interesting scene, and it really is the first confrontational scene and the demon Pazuzu. But to me, the headspin takes it. It's just a very... That and the scene with the crucifix just were like, whoa. More on this on Collider.com. More of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, Episode 71, so stay tuned. Giant freaking robot Steven Nelson looks at three superhero movies that need their own franchise, and they're all on Netflix. 
Project Power is a pill that grants the user superpowers for five minutes. This is what Nelson said. The allure of Project Power isn't just the unpredictability of the superhero powers, although watching someone discover their abilities or lack thereof offers a thrilling roulette of outcomes. It is also its commentary on power dynamics, social inequalities, and the lengths to which people will go for a taste of power. This is a series I liked, or a movie I liked, The Old Guard, a group of immortal superheroes led by Andy, played wonderfully again by Charlize Theron. Nelson writes the movie splendidly blurs the line between action-packed sequences and introspective moments, tackling questions of immortality, purpose, and the burdens of living through countless lifetimes. And lastly, Code 8. I had Rob BML on my podcast talking about this when it was just a movie, and now, thanks to Netflix, you can all see it. And that podcast episode is available, by the way. This one deals about 4% of the population getting superpowers, but instead of being celebrated, they are marginalized. Nelson writes, the movie offers a refreshing and raw twist to the oversaturated superhero genre. While most films in this category play on the grand scales of global or universal threats, Code 8 keeps it grounded and personal. So check this out. There's a lot more that you could see and read at Giant Freakin' Robot. And speaking of Sci-Fi Talk and the podcast, there's Sci-Fi Talk Plus. And you can enroll and get episodes with an early release, exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. And that is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 71, for October 12, 2023. Back next Thursday, this is Tony Tolado.